Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is Blessings in Disguise. Blessings in Disguise, which you can see I I stole it from that song. A beautiful, beautiful song by uh, Laura Story, I think, uh, wrote that song. But anyway, 1 Kings 17, verse 17. 17, 17. You'll see why I... It's going to be... I only got through one verse. This is heavy stuff. So uh, this is really part one. Next week's part two. And then part three to kind of put this little capsule together. So don't miss any of these next couple weeks because it's all going to flow together. Once again, you can always go on the podcast and the YouTube, okay? So first service of 2019. We had an open house, as you know. First of all, we had a great... uh, testimony service last week. Uh, just beautiful to, to hear how God's working. It's not all easy. It wasn't all happy ending Sundays, but, uh, but we all shared about how God's working even in the midst of struggles and, and how he's working in our life it was great. But then we had the, uh, also we had the New Year's Eve open house. Um, the older crowd all left a little early. You know, we, you know everybody my age and, and up uh, left uh, by about 10.30. There was just the teenagers left. And the baby, little Laurel stayed up right till midnight, and you know, nobody thought she could do it. She wanted to stay up. Nobody could get her to go to sleep. They tried, tried, tried. And finally, she finally Kim went to put her to bed about twelve fifteen and she cried. She didn't want to go to bed. She was so upset when she put her in her crib. And then the next morning, I'm thinking, oh, this kid's going to be out like a light bulb. I get up early. For me, it was 7 o'clock. That's late for me getting up. I was like, wow, I made it till 7. And I'm like, I can have a little time to myself. And Dad, Dad, she woke up early too. She was way ahead of everybody. She woke up, so she she couldn't didn't want to go to bed and couldn't wait to get up again to greet the new year in. Um, but 2019, how did that happen, right? I mean, think about it. 2019. How did we get to 2019? It seems like it was just yesterday. We're getting coming up on 2000. Remember that 2000? And we're getting ready to plant the church here, start the church, and we're getting ready for the world to end with Y2K. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was funny. So, uh, you remember waiting at 2000 and the bell comes on, you're just waiting for the electricity to go out and the heat to go off and, and you know, meltdown to begin, you know. Oh, well, it was, didn't happen. Life goes fast, though, doesn't it? Life goes so fast. And that's why it says in 1 Corinthians 7, I'm just going to read you a few excerpts from it. In 1 Corinthians 7, 29 and beyond, it says, The time, Paul says, the time is short. Live. From now on, live. Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. The time is short and he tells us to live, to live with a purpose. He's, he's stressing to live with a purpose. Take advantage of every day. Take advantage of every day. We are not guaranteed a tomorrow. We are not guaranteed a happy new year. We are not guaranteed another Eagles game after today. <laughs> it might happen. Nick Foles is Saint Nick, you know, but it could happen, but we're not guaranteed that. We live in a fallen world. And we have the effects of sin, which affects us all. Suffering, sickness, death, even as Christians. Yes, we know if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, John three sixteen, for God 
so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We know if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we have a brand new life that starts the moment we put our faith in Jesus and it goes on through all of eternity. We know we have that life and we also know that we have God's promises from then on. From that moment we receive God's love, we act on God's love, we say, God, I ask you to forgive my sin. I believe Jesus died on the cross in my place. That's what we're celebrating here with communion. He died in our place to pay for that sin. And I put my faith in him. I give my life to him. The moment we do that, we have God's promise. We've, we've talked about many times. We have Romans 8, 28, where he says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his good purpose. We have that. I might have mixed up a couple versions there. Oh, no, I did get it. According to his purpose. Uh, but but the, we have that promise that God, now we've put our faith in his love, and he will work anything that happens out for his good purpose. We know nothing can happen unless it's God's will. Nothing can happen to us outside of God's will. And, and even if we are sick or suffering, we could even be healed if it's God's will. We, it's all up to God. It's God's will. But we know that many times as Christians, we can be healed in his will but we must live each day like it could be our last we should live each day like we know this could be our last day and we see we see the reality of this in first kings 17 and first kings 17 let me pray before i read that father we thank you for a new year we thank you for your mercy and grace that brought us through the last and lord we thank you for just hearing all the testimonies about how You've worked even in the midst of suffering and pain and struggles and, and, and in the midst of many good times and times of blessing. You've worked in our life and brought us through and, and brought good fruit through that. Father, we pray that your spirit would start us off with this communion Sunday, would start us off with, with a special intimacy, a special anointing, a special empowerment from your word now. And through this communion time, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'm going to just read a, back, 1 Kings 17. I'm going to start with verse 14 just to give a little, little bit of a review here. A couple verses of review. Eli, um, Elijah's talking to the widow, remember, and he's been sent to have his needs met. And, and she's starving to death with her son. And so her son and the widow, they're both starving to death. And, but he says, go give me some food. You know, you know the story. And then I'll pick it up in verse 14. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. So we, we see, we, as you know where we've been going with this, the widow meets Elijah and he, she experiences this amazing miracle. The flour and oil just keep multiplying and she's saved from starvation. They were going to starve. They were one last meal away from starving to death. End of the rope. You remember what we talked about? But they were saved from starvation. And now you know how the rest of the story goes. They all lived happily ever after. Not. <laughs> Here we go. Verse 17. I'll do 17 and 18, although we're going to focus on just 17 today. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse. 
and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Don't miss next week, verse 18. Don't miss that one. But today we're just going to hit verse 17 here. What happened to the living happily ever after? We can tell from her response that that's exactly what she expected, right? And who could blame her? <laughs> who could blame her? She is helping this prophet and, 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 and blessing him. And, and as a result, she's blessed. She's got a man of God, a prophet, Elijah, living with her. And, 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 and she's experiencing a daily miracle. Who could blame her, right? Who could blame her for expecting everything to just get better and better and go better and better? Who, wouldn't you expect that? We all fall for this, what I call the delusional illusion. The delusional illusion. It's not spirituality. The delusional illusion. We, we, remember when you first became a Christian? I hope you have, and if you haven't, I hope you do today. Uh, but you, remember we put our faith in Jesus. We received the gift of eternal life. God gives us his honeymoon period. Maybe it's a week. Maybe it's two weeks. Maybe it's a month, six months. Well, he gives us that honeymoon. Remember that was so awesome. We're a brand new Christian. We put our faith in Christ. We have this honeymoon period. And we think, this is going to be smooth sailing. Now it's great being a Christian. Remember that? And all of a sudden, Wham! God, we're showed that God gave us that time, but there's a lot of spiritual growing that has to come about, right? Or we're a Christian, and we're living for God. We're like, we're like this, this widow, this Mary widow here. She's being, we're living for God, we're being blessed, and, and we're, we're really being faithful and, and doing what God wants, and then we, we think that it's, it's never going to end. You know, the blessings that we're experiencing, blessings, and we think it'll never end, because isn't that what the TV preachers say? If you just have enough faith, you can have health and wealth. Talk about false teaching. That's not spiritual reality. Look what happens to the widow. She's blessing the prophet of God. She's being blessed in return. I'm sure she thought more blessings were on the way. And then the most, the most horrible, the worst possible thing imaginable happens to her. Her only child dies her only son dies and her future with him because a widow at that time that didn't have a, 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 a son was done we are not guaranteed a life of blessings at least not what we consider blessings so i tweak it to the what blessings really are not what we consider blessings. In fact, I was just this week I was reading in Matthew 7 and it hit me. Uh, in Matthew 7 when it talks about the, um, the, the, the house on the rock or the sand. And in Matthew 20, I'm, I'm sorry, Matthew 7 verse 24, I'll pick it up with this. The wise and foolish builders. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. You all know the song. The rain came down and the floods came up, right? You all know the song. The storms of life hit both people, the wise and the foolish builder. Hit them both. 
The only difference was not that the storm stopped for the guy with the house on the rock. The difference is, is the person who built their house on the rock, who is Jesus Christ, survives and even thrives. Whereas the person who didn't crashes. It, it's still gonna, the storms are still going to hit us. Jesus didn't say the storms aren't going to hit you. The storms are still going to hit us. It's still going to hurt. But we won't crash. It's crushing, but we won't crash. That's the difference. Because, and some of you aren't going to like this, but God blesses us in two different ways. He blesses us with peaceful, joyful, positive, in our mind, positive times, positive experiences, times of blessing, what we call blessing. But he also blesses us with trials. He blesses us with trials. First Peter, in First Peter 4, 12 to 13, listen to what Peter says. He says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as, if, as though something strange were happening to you. But, what's that next word? Rejoice! But re painful trial, but rejoice! that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. I don't know about you, but when I think of painful trials or I'm in a painful trial, rejoicing isn't first on my list. Because we don't realize it's a blessing. It's a blessing. In fact, back in First Peter uh, God has a purpose in these trials. In 1 Peter 1, 6, it says this, In this you greatly rejoice, ah, oh, there it is again, though for a little, for, now for a little while you have had, may, sorry, but in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. God has a purpose in our trials. That's why I asked uh, Todd and Sharon to, to do the song, Laura Story's Blessing Song. What if blessings come through raindrops? What if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? Well, they are. First Peter says they are. God's blessing includes both blessings, the things we like, and also blessings of trials. The blessings of trials. We see this with this woman. What more do we have to see? That's why, and that's why God often blesses. Now this is hard too. That's why God often blesses the people. God often blesses the most. He often gives the hardest trials. Those God, I'm going to say it again, often those God blesses the most receive the hardest trials, which are meant to grow us 
and to touch other people as they, as they see God's grace in our life going through that trial. It's the cross, but it's also a witness to other people as they see how we go through that trial. Need some Bible examples? Job. <laughs> Who is godlier than Job? Nobody. Who is blessed more than Job? Nobody. Who suffered more than Job? Nobody. They were both blessings. Daniel, the Apostle Paul, Jesus, Jesus, our Savior, closer to home. I think of Joan Harrison. Who had a harder road than Joan Harrison? I can't think of anybody. But who touched more people than Joan? How many of us were blessed by Joan? Amazing, huh? But first, and first, before God puts us through these trials, he prepares us for them. He prepares us for these trials. How? How did he prepare the widow? First, he gave her a miracle. An ongoing miracle. Flour and oil. Overflowing. And that's a picture of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. We've talked about all that. He, he, first, God blesses us. He blesses us. Why? To show us his love. To prove his love to us. First, he starts with that. That blessing. That, that, that proving his love to us. So that when his loving discipline comes, we will be able to trust him. To trust his love. To trust his purpose. That's what God does. And I think that many times I'll be like, wow, God has given me so much blessing for, in some area of my life. And I'll be like, thank you, God. I know you're really showing me you love me. And then I'll, I don't even pray. I'll say, I know you're doing this for a reason. And I'm going to remember this. Because when the trial comes, I'm going to remember this. That you really love me. You're proving your love to me. So that when you discipline me, and not in, bad, not in the negative sense, but discipline God's discipline to, to grow us and push us forward. When you send your loving discipline, I'm going to know it's in love. He blesses us first, shows us his love first. I'm saying it again because I want to drive this home so that when his loving discipline comes, we'll trust him and trust his love and trust his purpose. God blessed us with 13 kids. You talk about love. Before he took one away. And even then he gave us a baby. In, its, in, in Ryan's place. I think of what our daughter Sarah's going through. So many neurological problems now. And, but first, God blessed her with amazing athletic ability. Anybody ever saw her play? You just love watching her play. Any sport. Doing anything. It's just amazing. First, he blessed her that way. And now, he's blessing her with a physical disability. Just like he blessed her with physical ability, now he's blessing her with a physical disability. We don't know how long it's going to last. We don't know where it's headed. 
But we're trusting God's love. And she is too. She, her spirits are great. She'd like to know what it is. But, she, but, she, but her spirits have been great. Because she knows God loves her. And trusts them. We know God... The reason we can do that in our trials is we know God has a purpose for every trial. God has a purpose. He's trying to develop spiritual fruit in our life. And some things can only be developed in the fire. Some things can only be learned through a trial. Things like patience and true hope can only be learned through in a trial. Romans 5, 3 to 5. Not only so, but we also rejoice. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering develops perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. The steps in suffering... The steps in suffering that go to spiritual growth. Look at the steps there. And the ultimate step is hope in Christ. Which step are we on today? What step is God calling us to take the next step? Sometimes we get stuck. We don't take the next step. What step is God calling us to take? We rejoice in our suffering. Knowing it produces patience, patience, character, character, hope. What step is God calling us to take? With the widow, we're going to see that this trial was vital for the woman's faith. She became a follower of the one true God. She found salvation because of this trial. She found salvation because of it. And for Elijah too, who was already a believer... His faith was prepared. It prepared him for the ultimate test of faith. The very next thing that's going to happen is Mount Carmel. Wait till we get to that story. It prepared the widow for salvation. It prepared Elijah for his real purpose. His ultimate purpose. What do we all remember Elijah for? Mount Carmel. Has God given you, has God given us a blessing in disguise today? Something that we've been fighting when God is calling us to surrender. And we always fight it at first, don't we? Remember Paul, the thorn in the flesh? What did he do? Take it away! Well, he just didn't have enough faith, right? Yeah, right. How many people did he heal? And yet he had this thorn in the flesh and he prayed three times, God, take it away! And God didn't. Instead, in 2 Corinthians 12 verses 8 to 10 he says this three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me but he said to me my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me that is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses in Insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. How is God working in our life through our trial? 
Maybe God is bringing us, maybe you're not a Christian yet, and God is using it to bring you to your knees. He's bringing us to our knees to bring us to the cross, to bless us just like the widow who, who we're going to see comes to God. We're, he's, he's wants to bless us with a brand new life in Jesus Christ. John 3.16, which I already mentioned before. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Maybe God has brought you to the cross, to your knees, to Jesus Christ so that you will believe, that you'll put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, giving your life to him, turning away from sin and giving your life to him. Maybe that's why. But we have a guarantee whether you're coming to Christ or you're already in Christ going through some kind of a trial. We have a guarantee that God's grace is sufficient. That's a promise over and over in Scripture. God's grace is sufficient. It's promised that no matter what we're going through, Jesus Christ is right there. It's a promise. The only question is how do we respond when we're going through where do we go? Who do we turn to? What do we turn to when we're going through this? It reminds me of Matthew 8. I was also reading this this week, and it just like jumped out at me. In Matthew 8, I think a lot of you know this story. In Matthew 8, verse 23, let's start with verse 23. It says, then Jesus, it's about Jesus calming the storm. Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake, and the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. I love this story. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you have a little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. Will we follow Jesus? Even if he takes us into a storm. Jesus knew the storm was coming when he got into the boat. When he started taking his nap. He already knew. Will we follow Jesus even into the storm? Storms are important in our life. They drive us to our knees and they drive us to Jesus. Where did they go? They went to Jesus. That's what happens in a storm. And when we are in the storms of life... In the storms of this world, in the storms of this country, look what's going on. Jesus is not unaware. We think, ah, oh, he's, he's asleep. He's not unaware. He's right there. And even when it seems like he's not there for us, he is still in total control. Total control. So what does Jesus say? Don't be afraid. Don't live with so little faith. We just need to go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. And that's why communion is so vital. Communion is a reminder that we need to commune. We need to commune. We need to connect with Jesus. Today and every day. This is just priming the pump. This is a reminder. Every day we need to connect with Jesus. We must stay connected with him. That's what communion is all about. And I'm just going to read the communion passage. First Corinthians 11, in 1 Corinthians 11, starting with verse 23, the Apostle Paul talking about what Jesus said, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. Anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. So we see that that is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. Communion. What it is, what it is it's a time to connect with Jesus again. It's a time to reconnect. It's a time to clear out what's come between us. It's something every day, but this is, we do it to, as a reminder. He gives us this as a reminder. That what it is, we, it's, it's, it represents the body and blood of Jesus. It, it, we do this in remembrance of him. It represents the, the body that he gave on the cross and the blood he shed for us. How we take it, there's no right or wrong way to take it, but the way we do it is we just, we have, a, a, after I pray, we have a time of, of just coming forward and, and taking it, and you can take it back to your seat. Take it by yourself. You can take it with your family. You can take it with friends. However you felt led to do it, you just take it when you're ready. The reasons why we shouldn't is we don't recognize the body of Christ. If we're not a Christian yet, we shouldn't take it. But we can become one today. If you're not, you can become one right now and still take it. But if not, if you're not ready yet, it's okay. Just wait for the next time. Just pray. Just meditate during this time. Or if there's something that God has convicted us, notice what it says about judging ourselves. If there's a sin in our life that we're not willing to confess and, and, and battle and give over to God, notice I didn't say sin because none of us could take it. We all struggle with sin. But if there's something we are not willing to surrender, we're not willing to confess, we're not willing to, to give up and say, God, please, I need your mercy and grace. If we're not ready to surrender, then don't take it. But I hope everybody does because you can. We can surrender that today. We'll just go to the time of prayer, and then we're going to have some uh, worship, and, and whenever you're ready, you can come forward, okay? As we go to this time of prayer, how is God speaking to us? Are we ready to commune? Are we ready to connect with Jesus? Are we ready for the Holy Spirit to fill us in, in a special way, to touch our lives in a special way this morning? How is God speaking to us? Maybe you're not a Christian yet. But you feel God calling you. Sense the Holy Spirit leading you to put your faith in Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Do you know that if you were to stand before God today. And it could happen. And he, and, and he were to say, why should I let you into heaven? How would you answer? Would you say, I've been tried to be good? I've gone to church. I followed religious rules and rites. Or would your answer be, because I believe in Jesus Christ. I put my faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only way to God. 
There's nothing we can do except receive the gift. And you can do that right now, right where you're sitting. A prayer in your heart to God. God, I believe in Jesus. I believe he died on the cross in my place for my sin. I turn away from that sin. I repent of that sin. That old life, I follow Jesus now. I give him my life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. If you have put your faith in Jesus today, given your life to him, you now have eternal life and it starts right this second. A brand new life that starts now and goes throughout eternity. Communing with Jesus. If you've taken that step of faith, I want to encourage you to let somebody know. God already knows. Let somebody know. Maybe you have a family member or a friend here or tell me on the way out or fill out the card or email, text. Let somebody know so we can be excited for you and encourage you. But if you have taken that step of faith, you can now commune with God anytime. The rest of us, how is God speaking to us as we go to this communion time? Let's, let's make this a time of surrender and connecting. A time of trusting God's love no matter what we're going through. Trusting his purpose. Trusting his love. Father, we pray that this communion, the first communion of 2019, would be powerful in each of our hearts as your Holy Spirit moves and touches us and empowers us for what we're going through, what you're calling us to go through to prepare us for eternity with you, to prepare us for our purpose here on earth. We pray this in Jesus' name.